Our gospel lesson for this evening will serve as the basis for our sermon. It comes from Matthew chapter 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Evening, how are you guys? It's good to see you today. I have a, a real simple question for you. Are you happy? Are you? Are you happy? What happens if mom and dad sin and bad things happen in your house? Are you happy then? What happens if you stub your toe? Are you happy then? What happens if school gets canceled because of a snowstorm? Are you happy then? Trick question? Sometimes. A lot of times in life, we are happy when things go good, right? If we look around at our life and we say, man, things are good today. Everybody in my house is being nice. The sun is shining. Everything that I want to happen is happening. I feel healthy. I'm happy. But then if bad things happen, if we hurt in our hearts, or if we hurt in our bodies, then we're not happy anymore. Today, we're going to hear Jesus use a word, blessed, which is kind of like happy. Um, I guess it's the result of all that God has given to us. We are blessed. It can also mean happy. And Jesus is telling us that because of everything that he has done for us, we can be happy all the time, even when our heart hurts, even when our body hurts, even when things are going terribly bad, we can still be happy. How could that be? How can we still be happy even when everything's going so bad? This is how important Jesus is. The forgiveness of sins that he's won for us and the promises that he's made to us about eternal life with him in heaven mean we can be happy, we are blessed, no matter what is happening in this life. Today we ask our God to help us better appreciate the blessedness of being his disciple. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you have done so much for us. You have forgiven all of our sins. You have defeated death, which makes us all a little uneasy, if not downright afraid. You promise us that death is not the end and that we are at peace with you, that we get to spend eternity with you in paradise. Help us to realize that this means we are blessed no matter what happens 
in this life. Help us to reflect that blessedness to everyone around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. First thing we need to identify tonight is the very beginning of our text. There's a really important detail at the end of verse 1 and the beginning of verse 2. It says, His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. As we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, you you may have heard this before. This sermon is for Jesus' disciples. This is not a sermon for people who have never met Jesus before. This is not a sermon for people who are kind of interested in the Christian faith, but don't really know much about it yet. This is for Jesus' disciples. And the proof is really in the the preceding chapters, and even if you you hadn't really thought of it this way, because we have been bouncing through the Gospels a little bit the last few weeks, everything we've been focusing on the last few weeks has chronologically happened right before this, and that's significant. First, we focused on Jesus' anointing at his baptism, when the Holy Spirit came down and anointed him with power, Messiah, Christ, the promised Savior. Remember, those words mean anointed one. And so as he's anointed, he's being identified as the promised Christ, the promised Messiah. Then in the second week of our previous series, we heard John the Baptist say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then last week, we heard that Jesus is the light of the world, the light shining in the darkness. And at the end of our gospel lesson last week from Matthew chapter 4, we heard Jesus began to preach. Repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And people followed him. Anointed the Christ. Look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Repent. Acknowledge your sin. Turn to Jesus for forgiveness. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And trust God, trust in his strength alone. The kingdom of heaven is near. And people followed him. That's the disciples. They're people who had faith in Christ. They knew exactly who they were, sinners. A part of the world, a part of the world for whom Jesus had taken away all their sins. And they believed it. And this is incredibly important to understand because if a person approaches these words without that understanding of sin and grace, law and gospel, my desperate need for a Savior, and Jesus being the very Savior that I need, you too, will trip and stumble all over these words and make a mess of them. Make them say things they don't say. But when we come to these words as people who are disciples of Jesus, people who follow our Savior, the Anointed One, the Lamb of God, the Light of the World, these tell us exactly what it looks like for us to be Jesus' disciples. I mentioned at the beginning of the service, this section is called the Beatitudes. And that's because the word that's translated blessed in English is makarioi, 
That was translated beati in Latin when it was translated into the Latin language, and that's where we get the term beatitudes from. Makarios, makarioi in its plural here, because Jesus is talking to a group of people, is a, a really interesting word. If you uh, study the Greek language and read the classics, Greek classics, this is a word that classical authors used. And a lot of times it referred to the Greek gods. They were the ones who were makarioi, not the common people. And I think you'll find the reason interesting. People viewed the Greek gods as makarioi, blessed, happy, content, because they didn't have to play by the rules. The rules didn't apply to them. They could kill people, they could commit adultery, they could lie, they could cheat, they could steal. They could punish the poor humanity all they wanted. No problem. You can understand how the sinful human heart would look at that and say, that's the key to happiness. If I could just do whatever I wanted, then I'd be happy. I'd be makarioi. There's a lot of people who think that way today. But then there were some pagan religious philosophers who came along and they rejected that idea because it was kind of depressing. If you follow it through to its logical conclusion, well, then we'll never be happy because they're the only ones who can be happy because they're the only ones who can do what they want. We can't because we have a conscience and because we have a law. And it was a depressing belief system. So some pagan religious philosophers said, no, Makarioi is the one who does good and thrives because of it. Kind of a karma philosophy, but really more common to us in American suburbia, it's the American dream. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you're a good person and you're responsible, you've got a really good chance at a good life, happiness, right? Makarioi. Do good, be happy. We see a lot of both types of makarioi in America today, and we should expect that. Why? Because these are the ways that human minds, sinful human minds, chase after happiness. And then Jesus comes along and he takes this word, which had been used by Greeks a lot, and he flips it upside down. And he presents a type of makarioi that human beings would never come up with. The first one is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Makarioi are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You might have noticed that when I was reading through it, there's a bit of a bookend here in the first chunk of these. There's, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven in verse 3. And then again in verse 10, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And those are the two times when we have a present tense result. Blessed are they because the kingdom of heaven is theirs right now. The ones in the middle are all future tense, but these two are present. And I, and I, don't, I don't think it's insignificant that Jesus kind of bookends these concepts with this present reality. Those who are in who are poor in spirit, have the kingdom of God right now. Even though we're not in paradise yet, it's a done deal. We're in the kingdom of God. 
poor in spirit kind of has a twofold meaning to it. Um, there is a poverty concept. So whether you are physically wealthy or physically very poor, a person who's poor in spirit does not long for earthly wealth. Make sense? So if you have a lot, the wealth is nothing to you. It's, it's a blessing. You use it to, to serve God and your neighbor, but you'd be fine without it. And if you have nothing physically, you're not chasing after anything. You don't need more than you have. You're, you're good. You're poor in spirit. The other aspect of it, which is also true and applicable here, is this beggar concept that Martin Luther is famous for quoting. He said, we are beggars, that's all. And by that he meant we have nothing to offer God. Nothing. Our other readings hinted at that. God doesn't bring in the arrogant, those who think they have a lot to offer him. No, he welcomes into his kingdom the humble, the meek, those who completely rely on him and on him alone. This person is poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Why? Because they, they looked at life right? No, because they're disciples of Jesus. They know their Savior. They know they're sinful. They know they're forgiven. All this earthly stuff doesn't matter, and they humbly come before God to receive his free gift of forgiveness. Through faith in Jesus, they are everything they need to be to get into heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is theirs right now. Now, the rest of these we can move through a little more quickly because they kind of stack on each other. There's a bit of a progression here. The person who is poor in spirit, who doesn't long for earthly things, who humbly stands before the Lord, that person is going to naturally be be mournful over their sin. They're never going to take their sin lightly. It's always going to make them upset because they don't want to live a life of sin. That's not the the response that we want to have toward the God who has forgiven us. So this person will mourn over their sin. They will mourn over the wickedness in the world. They will mourn over the reality of death. All the impacts of sin in this world will cause their heart to ache. Jesus says that person is, is blessed because they will be comforted. What human being would start off their list of blessedness in this way? The one who has nothing really has everything. The one who's always sad about all the things going on in the world, that's the person who's blessed. What? Verse 5 follows. If you're poor in spirit and you're mournful over sin, death, and the impacts of Satan in the world, you're going to be meek. You're going to be timid. You're going to be the kind of person who humbly stands before God and neighbor, never elevating yourself over anyone else. You will inherit the earth. You ever see that in the, in the workplace? Oh, this person's got it all. They're meek. They're going to rock it up the corporate ladder. It's not how it works. The meek ones just kind of stay where they're at. They don't advance. They don't succeed. They're not blessed. It's the aggressive. It's the, it's the go-getters, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When you're a kid, a sinful kid, what do you call the other kid who 
always wants to do everything right. We call them goody two-shoes. I don't know if that's what they're still called today. What sinful kid wants to be the goody two-shoes? Who wants that name? I don't know anyone who does. They're insulted. They're mocked. They're losers. What does Jesus say? He doesn't say they are righteous. He says they will be filled with righteousness. The person who clings to Jesus as their only hope has Jesus' righteousness, his perfect record, credited to their account as if they did it. The person who stands before God, mourning over sin, meek and, and humble, who clings to Christ as their only hope, will be filled with the righteousness of Christ, blessed. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. But I thought it was a dog-eat-dog world. I thought the strong survive and the weak die. Well, in Jesus' kingdom, the strong are cast out and the weak thrive in paradise forever. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Remember King David's word in Psalm 51? After he committed that awful sin of Bathsheba and doubled down on it by murdering her husband, when his sin was finally pointed out to him, this wicked king who was supposedly a man after God's own heart, when his sin was pointed out to him and he was overcome with guilt, he prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Wash me with hyssop and I will be whiter than snow. Again, the one who leans on Jesus and on Jesus alone will be made clean, pure in heart. This person is blessed. Even if they've got a dirty track record, like King David, the one purified by God will see God face to face for all eternity. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This one's kind of fun. The Son of God, Jesus, was the ultimate peacemaker. The one who came to make peace between God and fallen mankind. And those who are his disciples can't help but do the same thing. When there's conflict in the congregation, we don't ignore it. We don't brush it over. We deal with it. We, we reconcile. That's what peacemakers do. People who know the peacemaker, Jesus, and how he reconciled the relationship between God and man, they desire the same thing amongst brothers and sisters. And those peacemakers will also be called children of God, brothers and sisters of God's one and only Son, blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What a neat way to close this section. Jesus says, when the world ridicules you and mocks you for being my disciple, you are not alone. Moses came before you and was ridiculed by the king of Egypt time and time again. 
Elijah did battle against 450 prophets of Baal. The Lord showed his mighty power and the queen said, you're dead, man, Elijah. Hosea had to marry a prostitute and the Israelites largely ignored the message. God's prophets time and time again were ridiculed and mocked, even killed. Martyrdom was common in the early Christian church. Less so today, could start again. But today we have our fair share of hatred and scorn and ridicule and cancellation, right? God says, you're not alone. Many have gone before you. And where they are now in glory, seeing the face of God, there you soon will be. Blessed, happy, even when everything around you seems you should be feeling otherwise. The gospel changes our perspective. It changes the way we look at life. It changes the way we look at happiness and joy. Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. No matter what. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. That word reward can make good Lutheran Christians a little nervous because we say, wait a minute, (laughs) I don't earn anything. I don't deserve anything from God. It's all his grace. And yet he's so gracious to us. We earn nothing. He gives everything. He still says he's going to reward you. As one who has had Christ's righteousness poured into you, filling you up, God says, I'm going to treat you as though you did it because I treated my son as though he did all you did. And so you will be rewarded, rewarded in paradise forever. That is a reason to rejoice and a reason to be glad no matter what happens in this life. You are blessed. Amen.